This is KMTT, Kimitzion Titzei Torah. Today, on uh, Wednesday, we're going to have during Chodesh Elul till Yom Kippur, series of shiurim on Tfilat Yamim Noraim by Harav Binyamin Tavori. So much has been written about the various tefillot of Yom Kippur, of the meaning and importance of saying Kol Nidre, the special tefillah of Ni'ilah, the avoda that we say in Yom Kippur. It was hard to choose one topic for one shiur about tefillat Yom Kippurim. And I decided to discuss something a little off the beaten track, the prayers at the end of Yom Kippur, after Ne'ilah. We have the custom, of course, of saying with great kavana, the Pasuk Shema Yisrael, the other editions that we say then, and Davin Maiv. I'd like to discuss each one of these customs. Of course, Ne'ilah is based on halachic sources in the Gemara and Yerushalmi, the customs of saying these psukim at the end of the davening seem to be a later innovation. The idea of saying Shema Yisrael at the end of Yom Kippur seems to be an additional understanding of Kabbalah Salmach After Yom Kippur, when we have reached such a level of standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu the entire day and feeling that we've entered into the world of tahara, of purity, it seems somehow fitting to again accept Kabbalah's Hamachus However, it has been pointed out that the Shema Yisrael that we say at the end of Yom Kippur may entail even a greater significance than the regular daily Kabbalah's Hamachus Printed in the Siddur of Chabad, of the Lubavitcher Siddur, before Shema Yisrael, they have a sentence written in the name of the Shalah HaKadosh. And this, in the Siddur, it's printed that we found in the Sefer Shnei Luchas Habris, the Shalah HaKadosh, that when you say in the, after Ne'ilah, we say Shema Yisrael, you should say it out loud with tremendous devotion. And each person should accept upon himself at this time to be Mosei Nefesh, to deliver himself totally for the for Kiddush Hashem. And it's this kavana, this unique kavana that you feel at this time, that you're willing to be Mekadeh Shem Shemayim, even at the expense of your, of your own life, will be as if, indeed, you gave your life for Kiddush Hashem. Of course, this recalls to us the story of Rabbi Akiva, when he was about to be killed, the famous quote that he said was, My whole life, my entire life, I worried, I was felt somehow remorseful about this Pasuk. The Pasuk, You should love HaKadosh Baruch Hu so much that you're willing to give up your all for Him. And when will I fulfill this Pasuk? Rabbi Akiva said now, at the time when he 
Rachman al-Islan was killed, al Kiddush Hashem, he had the opportunity of fulfilling this mitzvah. Now, we haven't reached the level of Rabbi Akiva, and perhaps the idea, the dream of fulfilling this mitzvah is beyond our ken. Nevertheless, at the time of saying Shema Yisrael, the Shalosh said this is the proper kavana to have. And of course, we say it one time. In some communities, apparently, there was a minute of saying it more than one time. And of course, this would raise the objection of Ha'omer Shema Shema Meshat Kimoso. A person who says Shema twice, the Mishnah says in, in Brachos, that we would tell him to be quiet. It would seem as he somehow believes in more than one God. He has to say the sentence more than once. So the custom has prevailed that we only say Shema Yisrael once, as seems to be, according to the Mishnah, the Halacha of the Gemara and Brachas. But of course, this raises the issue that immediately afterwards, we say Baruch Shem Kvad Machutol Olam Va'ed three times. That's our custom. In the Machzavitri, it really says that you say Baruch Shem Kvad Machuso one time. And in, in, in fact, this seems to have been the case of the early Rishonim to say Baruch Shem Kvad Machuso Olam Va'ed. And people try, had to try to find some sort of an excuse. How could you indeed say Baruch Shem Kvad Machuso Olam Va'ed three times? Why would that not be included in the concept of we would tell a person who said Shema twice not to do it. And various explanations have been given why it's permitted. And some say that we say it three times as if we accept the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our world comparable to Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimlach Lamvayet. The Kvod Machuso, the glory of God which appears in this world, we somehow allude to the fact that this is past, present, and future. So we say Baruch Shem Kvod Machuso three times. This is our custom, although it really does seem a bit problematic, and I said this is the explanation that's been given by various Rishonim. Of course, this leads us to Hashem Olokim, which is said seven times, and apparently this was a widespread custom, even among the Rishonim who said that you say Shema Yisrael only once, that you say Baruch Shem Kvod Machus only once, they all seem to say that you say Hashem Elokim seven times. And they say, Ein Lachush. You don't have to worry that this is included in the concept of saying Shema twice. Tosfus in Brachos says that really you should not say Shema seven times, er, more than once, but Hashem Elokim is acceptable. And he says, because isn't it true that in the story of Eliyahu, in Tanakh itself, the people said Hashem Elokim more than once. All the people stood up and said, Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim. So if they could say it twice, then apparently we can say it also a number of times. Of course, the question would be, why did they say it twice? And why do we say it seven times? Rev. David Kohn gave a very interesting idea in one of his Sfarim. He said, at the time of Eliyahu and Harakamel, as we remember the story, the people somehow were ambivalent about their feelings toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Eliyahu issued that famous ultimatum. 
Im Hashem Elokim Luchu Acharav. If if you believe in God, then you believe in only one God and follow Him. Im Abalu Elohim. But if God forbid you do not believe in the true God, but you believe in the idol, Luchu Acharav. Go to him. Admatai How can you have these ambivalent feelings, this concept of duality between Hashem or and Lahavdil a billion of and the Baal? Either go to Hashem, and if not, go completely to Baal. The people then realized that they understood that God is one. After the incident of Har HaKamel, they understood the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They expressed their unity by saying Hashem Hua Elokim. Hashem Elokim refers to two different names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem refers to Midas HaRachamim, God who appears in the world as a merciful God, and Elokim refers to the God who appears, refers to God as He appears in Midas Adin, as the God of Judgment. The people who at one point did not believe in the unity of God might have indeed felt that these are two Rishuyos. Hashem is the Rishus of Din and God forbid to believe that Elohim is a different source of God, a different concept of God. But once they were cured of this belief, once they reached the belief of the Achdut Hashem, of the unity of God, then they said, Hashem Elohim, it is one God. They believed in the unity of God. Once they've made the declaration, Hashem Elohim, they believed in the unity of God, then there's no fear of saying it twice. When a person would say, just Shema twice, maybe we could suspect that he believed in two Rishuyos. But the person or the people at the time that said Hashem Elohim were so clear in their belief in the unity of God that they were not worried to say it more than once. And we therefore can emulate their practice when we at the end of Yom Kippur have reached a level of hakara of understanding the unity of God, when we've just said Shema Yisrael with such kavana, then we can say Hashem Elohim more than once. But of course the question is why do we say it seven times? Various explanations have been suggested why we say Hashem Elohim seven times. I particularly like the explanation that was suggested by the Balatanya. In the Shulchan Aruch of the Balatanya, he quotes the following, he explains the following idea. The Shechina is now on Yom Kippur together with Am Yisrael. Of course, the concept that we all know of Melech Basadeh, that in the month of Elul, until Aser Tzimei Kivayachal, as it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu left the heavenly spheres, and becomes Melech Basadeh, he comes as the king who's traveling, who's visiting us. And of course, so much has been said about this concept, Dirshu Hashem b'matzo, k'ra'u karov. you should seek HaKadosh Baruch when he's close to you, the Medrash explains when is HaKadosh Baruch close to you, these are the days of Yamim Noraim, 
when the Kaddish Baruch Kivayachal is among you, Kivayachal in his physical presence. Now, HaKadosh Baruch generally resides in the heavenly sphere. And according to the concept that's more clearly explained in the world of Kabbalah, in the world of Hasidus, there are seven rakias. There are seven firmaments, seven levels of the rakia. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivayachal is above those seven rakias. But in the time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is down Kivayochal as Melech Basadeh in our world. At the end of Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes back to his world. And we accompany HaKadosh Baruch Hu by saying Hashem Elokim. Every time we say Hashem Elokim, it's as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes up one rakia. He leaves the concept of being Melech Basadeh and Kivayochal returns to the heavenly abode. So when we say Hashem Elokim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes to the bottom rakia. The, another Hashem Elokim, he goes to the Higher rakia, etc., etc. We say it seven times until Hakadosh Baruch Hu goes up kivayachal back to lemala misheva rakim, and of course the makeh bepatish, the crowning touch of this idea would be that we blow shofar immediately afterwards. Well, many reasons have been given as for the custom of why we blow shofar at the at the very end. This interpretation would lend itself automatically to the pasuk. Allah Elokim B'Truah Hashem B'Kol Shofar As if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going up Allah Elokim B'Truah At the sound of the Shofar Hashem B'Kol Shofar So for each Rakia When HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally reaches the top Rakia We blow the Shofar Allah Elokim B'Truah Hashem B'Kol Shofar HaKadosh Baruch Hu has returned To his yearly domain Of course many other reasons have been suggested For saying Hashem Elokim but as I said, this is the one that speaks most to my heart. The same thing could be said about the custom of blowing shofar at this time. Why do we blow shofar? So many, many reasons have been given. One of the reasons, as I said before, the generally accepted reason that we blow shofar at the end of Yom Kippur is a zecher for Yovel. The year of Yovel, they used to blow, blow shofar. Taviru shofar since we do not have Yovel, we have a, a Zechel Yovel every year. And as I said, many other reasons have come to explain why we blow Shofar. The concept, of course, then we sing and we say, L'Shana Bab Yerushalayim. Why at this point of the year do we say, at this point of time in davening of the year, do we say L'Shana Bab Yerushalayim? So the generally accepted uh, folk understanding of the of this idea is that on Yom Kippur we would remember very keenly very vividly the fact that when we were in Eretz Israel in the time when we could have our Beis HaMikdash in the time when we could do the Avoda Yom Kippur looked different than it did today and on Yom Kippur we mourn the fact that we do not have the opportunity of doing the Avodah on Yom Kippur as, as we did once when the Beis HaMikdash stood Al-Tilo. In fact, that's the reason that after we say the Avodah on Yom Kippur, we say the very, very somber prayers which resemble Kinos, 
in many, many respects. The kina, wailing lamentations over the fact that we have not a Besamikdash. So at the end of Yom Kippur, we recite Lashana Bebushalayim, hoping that next year we'll be privileged to return to the Besamikdash to perform the Avod of Yom Kippurim as HaKadosh Baruch Hu had commanded us. As I said, many other explanations have been given for this custom. Again, I particularly like a mashal given by the Nobel laureate Shmuel Yosef Agnon in his classic work, Yamim Noraim. He tells there a parable, a story about a king who had a daughter to marry off. And the seemed to be a very difficult thing to find the proper shidduch for her. And one day, the king, somehow in a fit of anger, said, whoever's next, I'm just going to marry him off. So, the queen, the princess married this fellow. It happened to be that he was a very, very simple person. And he went back with the queen to his humble village, to his humble home. And he lived with his princess the way a regular person, a farmer in some village would live. The princess wrote letters to her father and said to him, why uh, is this true? The Then the king decided to come to visit. He announced that he's coming to visit. The people in the little village heard that the king is coming to visit the princess. So they went out of their way to make everything as beautiful as possible, to fix the home as well as possible, to give the best meals that you could possibly cater. The king came and it didn't look so bad. Everything looked, you know, in its proper time, its proper place. Everything seemed fine. So on the end of his trip, the king was about to leave. And the king said to the princess, I don't really understand what you complained about so much. And the princess said, today, it was unusual because you came to visit. But you should know that on a regular day, it's not like this. So then the king said to the to his son-in-law, is this really true? Why don't you treat my daughter the way you should? And the young man answered, I live in a village. This is the way our village lives. I cannot live any better this. I don't know how to live better than this. If you would have taken me into the royal castle, if you would take me to live in a state of Malchus, then I would know how to treat your daughter better. Under the present circumstances, this is the best that I can do. And of course, the parable that Agnon relates is so clear. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to give the Torah to Am Yisrael. According to the Medrash, Kafalim Harkegigis, he somehow just said, I'm giving the Torah to Am Yisrael, and he forced Am Yisrael to accept it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Torah, and somehow we did not treat the Torah with the proper respect, with the proper love, with the proper attention that it so deserved. And as it were, the Torah Kivayachal sent messages to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we are not we are not being treated properly. Almost every day an epistle is sent. Look at the shame of the Torah. It's not being treated properly. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to come visit. 
And he announces in advance, I'm going to come to visit on the 10th of Tishrei in Yom Kippur. And the Kodesh Baruch comes. It's a beautiful sight. We're all in the shul. We're wearing white. We, the davening is so beautiful. Everything is lovely. So at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is about to depart and says, it's great, what's wrong? And the Torah says, this is a one-off. This is what happened today. It doesn't happen every day like this. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns and says, is this really true? And now we, our answer is, we are in the Galut. We are not able to come and live as Bnei Malachim. We do not have Yerushalayim Altila with Kohanim Bavodasa, Malaviyim Bashirim Vizimram. We don't have the opportunity to do, to treat the Torah as well as we should. Lashana Bab Yerushalayim, Akadish Baruchu, bring about the Gu'ula Shlema, Akadish Baruchu, return us to our home in Sion. Visham Navadcha Bayira Kimi Ola Mukshan Kanmiyas, only there can we really, really fulfill the Torah in all its entirety. After we, or depending upon the customs, we say Kaddish, but Dafka, the custom is to say this particular Kaddish at the end of after Lashana Babirshalayim, or before Lashana Babirshalayim, depending upon the custom, with tremendous Simcha. The concept of the Simcha and the Shira of saying the Kaddish is based upon the concept that at the end of Yom Kippur, there's a sort of a Yom Tov involved. When we walk out of Yom Kippur, we walk out besimcha, in a state of happiness, knowing that we have reached our, we at least we have tried to reach, our level of tahara, and we are sure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has listened and accepted our tefillos. And therefore the Pasuk says, Leich Echol Besimchas Lachmecha, Yom Kippur is over. If Yom Kippur is over and we're in a state of Tara, we now sing and express our joy to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we sing that Kaddish and the custom, of course, in many, many kilot is to dance and sing and really you feel in a state of extreme happiness. However, right after we say, right after we say that Kaddish, we dance a few minutes, and then we get up to say Mariv. The custom of saying Mariv is the same Mariv as every other day of the week. And people have asked, it's after Yom Kippur. We have just been relieved, forgiven for all our sins. Why now do we say Vuhu Rachum? HaKadosh Baruch Hu should forgive us. Why do we say in Shemun Esrei, Of course, the simple answer would be, it's a daily prayer. We don't change the text from one day to the next. But nevertheless, in the world of Drush, in the world of explanations, homiletic explanations, some beautiful ideas have been expressed. Again, two explanations that I found in the book Yomim Noraim of Shai Agnon speak to us very sharply. One, he quotes Rabbi Varki, who said that now, at the end of Yom Kippur, we think about this day that we spent, a whole day of prayer. But 
On that day of prayer, very few people have really spent any time learning. If we really had been Sadiqim Gemurim in the entire year, perhaps we would not have needed an entire day of davening. Perhaps our davening would have been more concise and we would have had to learn had to have time to learn Torah. So for the fact that we did not learn Torah on that particular day, we ask HaKadosh Baruch for forgiveness. Had we indeed been better, originally we might have been, had the privilege of learning Torah that day. Another homiletical interpretation may be that a person who now realizes his potential, who has entered the world of Mechila, Slicha, but more important, the world of Tara, now really understands better and deeper what was what he was originally. Agnon also gives a marshal for this. A person who treated the king improperly cannot just be told, well, now treat him properly. First, he has to be educated. He has to be led to understand how important it is to treat the king properly. Only after he understands that concept can we call him to task for his misattention, for his lack of decorum in the previous situation. Old Yom Kippur, the purpose is for us to realize and understand, to be re-educated. After Yom Kippur, we begin to understand the depth of what we had done before, and therefore now we repeat, Of course, in the uh, world of Torah, sarcasm and humor, another explanation has been given why we say, Right after Yom Kippur, we all say fervently, We sing, we dance, and we say, next year we want to be in Yerushalayim. But did we really mean it? Did the people who live in Chutzlaretz really mean that, okay, let's go, let's be on our way, we're ready to go now? Do we also mean, really, as I said before, the Shana Bebushalayim, we want to see the Beis HaMikdash, we want to see the Kohanim Ba'avodasa, Malavim B'Shirim V'Zimram, or did we say it as, because we use the words, as a Siftzof Hazarzi, or just as words that we could, as we could train a parrot, a parakeet to, to, sp- to speak certain words? Did we really mean it? So as soon as we say, that's already the first sin of the new year. The first sin after Yom Kippur is to say to say Lashana Bebushalayim without the depth of the Kavana that we really should have. And for that we immediately say Then I said we go to Davin Marif. Now at first glance this seems to be a very simple thing. We Davin Marif as we do every other night. On the other hand there's a halachic question here. Does one really have to Davin Marif? In general the Sugya the topic of learning, of speaking about Mariv, is well known, the Gemara in Brachas and Davchavav and the Gemara in Yuma, Davchavav and Davchavav, bring an opinion that Tvilas Arvis Rishus, that Mariv is indeed, well, I don't like to translate the word Rishus, because if I would say optional, it might connote the wrong meaning. The Gemara just says it's a Rishus. 
according to one opinion. According to Rav, Meir Vizarishus. So Tosfus asks a question, both in Brachas, Davchavav, and in Yoma, the end of the Mesechta, Davpezayin, on the base. Tosfus asks, but we do know that you have to Davim Meriv. I mean, there are all kinds of sources that he quotes to show that you have Davim Meriv. And Tosfus says, it's true that Meriv is a Rishus, but it doesn't mean it's optional. If there's some unusual circumstance that you somehow, for whatever unusual reason, a person cannot have a mariv, then perhaps one could use the idea of mariv being a rishus. And Tosus, of course, points out, don't forget, Yaakov Avinu made up Tfilas Mariv, and Yaakov is not different than Avram and Yitzchak, Avram made up Shachris, Yitzchak made up Mincha, we certainly have to daven Shachris and Mincha, why Yaakov is, is somehow inferior, we don't have to daven. So Tosu says, of course we have to daven Marif. But Tosu says, unusually, sometimes, Bechinam ein levatla, for, for, for just whimsically, a person just doesn't want to daven Marif, of course you can't do that. But Tosu goes to say, what about the Tfilas Marif that we are now discussing? Mariv the night after Yom Kippur. On one hand, we've already davened the tefillah at night. Of course, depending upon the proper time for davening tefillah's ne'ilah, perhaps ne'ilah, in a sense, could be counted as mariv also. We did daven ne'ilah fairly late in the day. In Israel, the custom, of course, is to daven ne'ilah a little bit earlier than I recall from Chutzlaretz, because in Eretz Israel, in Yeshiva, we duchen, we have birchas kohanim and neilah, so we try to make sure that we end, get to birchas kohanim a few minutes before shkia. So the almost the entire prayer of neilah is before shkia. But in chutzaret, as I remember it, most of the tefillah of, of neilah was done later in the day. So one person could theoretically say that you could be yotze mariv with neilah. And Tosus goes on in Yoma, and the rush is perhaps even more explicit about this, that the night of after Yom Kippur. Since there is a mitzvah of preparing the meal, and it's like a yom tov, the medrash quoted by Tosfos says, "Matzay yom kippur, the heavenly voice, the baskol comes and says, Leich go home and eat your food with joy." So, perhaps that particular night, Marv is a rishus because you're an Osek the mitzvah, you, you yourself are going to be involved in a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? Of Lech Echobasim Chalach Mecha. After Yom Kippur, a person should feel the joy of re entering the world of Tara, of feeling a day of Mechilas Avonos, a day that Akadish Baruchu promised us, Salachti Kedvarecha. When a person does that, he is involved in a mitzvah of a quasi yantif of Simchas Yantif, and therefore one may have thought that Marv is Rishus. La Halacha, the Halacha of course is that we Paskin, even this Marv is a, is to be said, Marv Matsayom Kippur should be said, and as a matter of fact one should think about Davening Marv with Kavana, perhaps even more than a regular day. Because on one hand you have reached higher levels. And secondly, it would be almost hypocritical at the end of Yom Kippur to go back to our regular ways and daven Mariv, perhaps as we used to. 
So the ideas of the end of the Tfilot of Yom Kippurim include in them Kabbalah Samach Hashemayim, Yichud Hashem, sending HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kibayachal, accompanying HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kibayachal back to his normal abode and re-beginning the new year, re-beginning our Leich Echol Besimcha Lachmecha Ki Chavar Ratzah Lokim Et Maasecha.